Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Today is an exciting day, my friends, because on this episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled, we are talking to my friend and very inspiring and talented person, Georgia Friedman. I have been dying to pick her brain, and I know that a lot of people would have the same interest in her path and everything, so I thought she would be an amazing candidate for this. And she's going to walk us through how she got into hairdressing, and she actually started in a completely different industry. She, um, I don't want to ruin it, but she did nursing. <laughs> going to keep it in. She, um, yeah, started that way. And then through connections with her family, got into doing makeup and shoots and stuff, and then really opened her eyes to the potential that she could have in hairdressing. So she's going to walk us through how she started and then how so quickly, um, she ended up doing all the Instagram influencers and working on all the footy wives and doing the brown low and spring carnival and you know the biggest events that we look at in australia for hair and fashion and things like that she was doing very early in her career she's one of those people that is just naturally very gifted i always say usually as a hairdresser you're better at one than the other whether it's cutting or styling you know normally you have something that you're better at and stick to. Whereas Georgia is just one of those people who like, what can't she do? She can do makeup and hair and color. And she is also now stepped into a management role, which I thought was something quite interesting to talk to. Um, She has worked for that salon and now is managing one of their locations, which is really also interesting. I think for hairdressers, something we touched on was that it's hard to, maybe voice to management or to, you know, the, the company that you're working for that the, you would like to do more than doing hair and you don't want it to come off as being disinterested in your role. You just want to do something else as well. And you don't want to maybe bite the hand that feeds you, or it can be a bit of an uncomfortable conversation saying that you would like to be doing more than hair. So Georgia is someone who has made that transition and she's still working, taking clients, but also managing a team. So I thought she'd have so many things that we could learn about and talk about. So today, enjoy my chat with the one and only Georgia Friedman. Okay. I was really trying not to say all right at the beginning and give myself (laughs) a different beginning because I can't help it. But today I am talking with my pal, my colleague, uh, my friend, Georgia Friedman. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You are top of the list. I feel like I'm saying that to everybody, but it's true. Like I've got (laughs) so many people that I'm like, oh my God, I just want to pick their brains. And I think that so many people would love to know the behind the scenes, Georgia Friedman. So I thought I'd love to have you on. No, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Well, you're looking (laughs) gorgeous. Your hair looks beautiful. Thank Um, you, you too. Thank you. I was inspired by you. (laughs) I was like, oh, Georgia has the best Yeah, your fur is looking better than mine. I was like, I hope her curls aren't on today because she's going to show me up. It's just, you you are looking full Carrie Bradshaw. Oh my God. 
That is the ultimate compliment. I know. I found this channel in all of my time sitting at home that we have like an unlimited sex in the city channel and it just like (laughs) continually plays unlimited episodes. It is like the best thing I've discovered. So that's a real compliment to me. Thank you. (laughs) So let's dive into you enough about me. Let's do it. I would love to just have a little synopsis maybe from you of like how you got into hair. Was it something you always wanted to do? not yeah how you kind of went about it and then we'll roll from there roll from there um so i began i actually began nursing after school which was a bit left of field yeah i did two and a half years of a nursing degree um but yeah so i did that um but i was always very artsy at school so i don't actually know why i kind of went into that field as much like I don't know why I didn't just go straight down kind of a more artistic route so Um, you didn't think of being a hairdresser like throughout high school or things like that hairdressing wasn't a thought that you'd had no it it, like it was but I I think I was definitely very much oh it has a bit of a stigma behind it and I don't think that I had done like enough research about it like I just I didn't know like what career opportunities it had rather than just like everyday salon yeah stuff so um yeah I think that that kind of deterred me from even going into it straight away so yeah started off doing nursing um and then I actually did a lot of work with my dad for a while as well and then I did makeup first so did a makeup course for a little bit and I did a lot of still doing nursing uh, yeah. Yeah. So did that on the side. So did, so did nursing and makeup both at the same time. Um, I, yeah. So the makeup stuff was really, was really great. I did a course, which was great. Learned like even like special effects and stuff, which was pretty cool. Um, but I learned so much from assisting with, um, a company that does a lot of photo shoots. So I would literally like go on like bond shoots and um i did like an australian ballet shoot and i would literally just be there holding like passing up pins and just being so that was through your makeup school yeah well it was it was through my sister so because i'd done the course i'd met this makeup artist she said come and assist me on all this stuff so yeah that's what i did and i did that for two years just assisting on every free day that i had Oh my God, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so because yeah. your sister is in like, what do you call it? The TV industry? Or- yeah. So she does TV and radio. So, so she um, had like shoots and stuff that she was on that she would kind of get you to come along on as well. And that's kind of how. Yeah. Well, these, these makeup artists like that I worked along with, they were um, freelancers as well. So for events and stuff for my sister, they would um, do a lot for her. So um yeah, then I just used to come along and watch my sister get her makeup done all the time. Oh. And so used to come along, meet the makeup artists. And then, yeah, I was just lucky that um, uh, a few of them were just really beautiful people and were more than happy to have me on. So, yeah, I'm really lucky. About so that. that's what opened your eyes to that world. And then yeah, you're like, oh, my God, hairdressing something I thought about, but I didn't know this aspect of hairdressing existed and being at the ballet and the shoots. And that's when yeah. you're like, oh, my God, this is something I could do. Well, I think, and also what I realized is um, by going along to these shoots, um, a lot of the makeup artists would tell me, if you have hair skill as well as makeup skill, yeah. you're going to get more jobs because, you know, if you're the, the, the pack yeah. um, rather than just one, it, it makes it more financial benefit for companies to only hire one person rather than having to get two people. So, yeah, that's when I really started um, thinking about, um, like I always loved hair, but I think I knew that I had a lot more skills that I needed to refine. So yeah. I actually started off with a styling course at Bieber. Really? Yeah. So that's not like apprenticeship. You hadn't done any sort of apprenticeship. You just saw that they were putting on a course and you could just go not being a hairdresser. Yeah. So they do like a, um, it's literally just a styling course. So it's a, um, and it, it's really flexible. So you could go like once, to, like once every two weeks or whatever, but you would just, I would just go, I didn't know anyone there. Um, the teacher I had, oh, I've forgotten his name, but he was, he was wonderful. He was so nice. And he um, would just let me just do my stuff, teach me what I needed to know. And yeah, it was really helpful. Just those oh little God, tips and tricks I that I wouldn't have known. Yeah. 
And then how did did it progress from that? Like, did you start just doing hair on these shoots that you'd been going on where you were going for makeup anyway? And then... Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, where a lot of makeup artists, obviously it's hard having, you know, when you're assisting, you can pass things up to people, but you're not really doing a huge amount. But then once I had this hair skill, um, like a lot of makeup artists loved having me there because then I could start prepping the hair and tonging the hair whilst they were doing makeup. So I got so much hands-on work with that, which was great. And then I just kind of realized that, yeah, I loved, I loved doing it. Um, I still love doing makeup, but I always loved more hair when I was doing it. So yeah. What a skill. I remember that from somebody who I used to work with. Her name was Anna and she used to go and she still does. She does the same thing, like really big campaigns at home and all of this. Yeah. And she did makeup. And I was like, oh my God, how the hell can you be good at, so good at hair and at makeup? Like, you know, I'm barely good at anything. And here you are good at all of these things. No, and I, it was- <laughs> I think you're definitely, I think there's definitely like a lot of people are more, um, probably more refined in one more than the other. Yeah. Probably um, same way. It's like color and cut. You know, you're you're usually yeah better usually at one are than the other. Better at one. I mean, than the once other. again, exactly. that's your exception. Again, you're great at both. No, well, no, I'm still refining. Yeah, that's the thing. But so yes. So then after Baber, um, I realized like um, I loved obviously assisting with the the company that I was at, but I wanted to still do more. So that's when I decided to do a mature age apprenticeship. So what does that mean? That just, is it, is there something different in the fact that you're a bit older? Or really, like- just that the fact that I'm old. Yeah, no, so I started, I started my apprenticeship at. I'm envisioning you walking 22. in with a cane every day, like in a wheelchair or something. Yeah, no, what the hell does that mean? The fact that I was called a mid- I know the fact that I was called a mature age, like apprentice, I was like, God, what a title. Um, but yeah, really, it doesn't really mean much more than the fact that I'm a little bit older than the rest of them and started a little bit later. Okay. Um, and where did but, you do that apprenticeship? Yeah. So I began my apprenticeship at Rock Ebony. Amazing. So, where you still are. Yeah. Where I still am. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, I think cool. it was 2022. And did you just go in and bring your CV and apply or like, how did you end up in there? Yeah, I, I, well, I applied for a few places, but Rock Ebony were the quickest to get back to me. And, um, Teresa, who was the, my manager, obviously then, and, um, interviewed me and on the phone, she sounded really like bubbly and friendly. So I was like, yeah. okay, I think I can go for an interview with her and be fine. So yeah, I just went for an interview with her, told her what I had done previously. I didn't realize that that kind of like little experience, even behind an apprenticeship would like tick a lot of boxes. So yeah, totally. Um, you have that experience, that yeah, little bit of yeah. extra confidence because you've had touched hair before. I've touched hair. Exactly. And um, that definitely made it easier. Just kind of getting in the door. Um, so yeah, kind of, I, I did so kind of say though at the beginning of my apprenticeship that I didn't want to do it in three years and that I wanted to like accomplish it within like two. And she kind of like rolled her eyes at me and was like, yeah, whatever, everyone says that. And I was like, no, I'm going to. <laughs> so, and yeah. why did you want to finish it quicker? Like what, what was that in your head? Why? Um, I'm a pretty driven person in general. Um, but I think my age, I, I mean, at the time I was 22, but in my mind I was like, like I'm behind, like I need to, I need to get done. Yeah. And I was, and like knowing that all the other apprentices were like 16, I was like, I really need to get ahead. (laughs) But I think it's actually something that is probably quite an advantage that you've gone in when you are more mature, when you've done a career path that you don't want to do, because when you come in at 16, you're still dicking around no matter how much you want to be a hairdresser or I not. Know. And you're like, oh, I love hair. Like, it's still a bit of a you joke. You still want to party. You're 16. And I'm like, I'd already like, done who that. The fuck <laughs> picks their career at that age. And if anybody, you yeah. think anybody who's gone to uni, most people take a gap year. So that's 18. And then they do a four year minimum kind of degree, which is at the same point, you know, like exactly. you're not behind. It's just different. And you feel exactly. that pressure. So how were you able to fast track? Like, what did you have to do to finish earlier? Is that something that anybody can do or? Yeah, no, look, like if, if you're determined enough, you can do it. I think anyone can do it if they really want to. Um, I was lucky that I did have the support of um, my manager, Teresa, at the time, she obviously knew that that's what I wanted to achieve. So she was very um, 
um, very encouraging of it. Yeah, cool. she was. She was really good. So I, um, yeah, so I ended up um, going to school twice a week. So I'd go on my RDO. So I did that for two years and just kind of worked six days. So, yeah, it was like it was tiring, but so worth it in the end. Like I ended up getting so much done within two years and then qualifying. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. So yeah, did that. Um, I also was still like not sure if I really wanted to work for my dad at the same time as hair as well. So and so what I, would you be doing if you were working for your dad? Is he a hairdresser? No, <laughs> my dad's a horse trainer. So it's a completely different field. So that so, was something that you were still thinking about wanting I was to be in that it. world. What would you be doing yeah. in that world? I mean, like even when I was um, doing my apprenticeship, I would still work for my dad in the mornings. So I would go to Flemington Racecourse at 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, yeah, it was horrendous, horrendous hours. So I'd get up and do track work with the horses and then I would finish it around like 9 o'clock and then I would go straight to work after that oh and sometimes work a 12-hour shift. So I don't know how I didn't burn myself These are the things years. that I love sharing <laughs> that people don't realize behind the scenes, how much time or the fact that you have a second job to pay through your apprenticeship yeah. or whatever. People and that's don't realize thing. that you don't just do hair, you know, like I think that's yeah, well, so cool. exactly. And I think like I, I, I was like, I was in a mature age. I was living out of home, like, and look, look, you don't earn the huge amount, but doing an apprenticeship. So obviously I was like, I need to pay rent and et cetera. So yeah, I was like, I'll go work for dad and loved it as well. And obviously yeah. it's spring racing. So I love that element of it, even just yeah. being around the horses and stuff. So it's, it was really, really, really good. How cool. Really good. Mm. Love it. And then is that, so when you finished your apprenticeship, were you like, because I know you, that you were quite known for doing your hair ups and, you know, these kind of maybe brown low or um, spring carnival. Like some of the times I don't remember what this stuff's called because it's not something I've grown up in. Like I'm not nazi. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are these things called? Or what's this person's name? Like people yeah. who are like, you know, celebs or Insta people here. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't think they are. <laughs> But I mean, um, I think that that's something that you've become quite well known for. And like, is that where you wanted to go with it always? Or yeah, how did that I, kind of happen? Well, from the beginning, like, even when I was like, younger, watching like my mom and my sister, like dress up for the races and like with their hair and makeup, that's instantly I had an attraction to that. So like I loved hairstyling. So um, naturally in my apprenticeship, I loved that too. Like and I, 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 I was lucky in a sense that I had a pretty quick skill with it. Yeah. Um, and obviously not a lot of naturally to you doing hair ups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously like the coloring and cutting, it wasn't like, I had never been taught that. So I'd, I had no idea about it, but I have watched hair stuff so often growing up that, yeah, it was, yeah. I just gravitated it to it quite quickly. But um. Yeah. So I began, I actually, my sister was so great. She on, like, she just kind of like was in her biggest kind of TV scene. And I remember one spring carnival, she was like, do you want to do my hair? And I was so nervous. And it's like my sister, I was so nervous. I think that uh, we get more anxious when it's somebody that we know. I get like that 100%. even with color because you have to see them again. If you stuff it up and it's a client, 100%. like you still care. Like, of course we still care. But when it's somebody <laughs> yeah. that you know, you're going to have to look at those photos because- Not even she was going to yell at me. She could yeah. yell at me being like, what yeah. have you done? So I was petrified, but I was like, this is my chance. It's like, this is my chance to kind of show that I can do it. So yeah. I remember, yeah, I did it that one year and um, loved it. And she was obviously really supportive and, and great with it. So, <laughs> and from then on, I, <laughs> I remember in my first year at um, Rock, um, they were running low on stylists. Just, it was one Saturday and um, there was someone who walked in saying that they had booked a hair up and, I don't know what happened, but miscommunication, the appointment wasn't there. And this person wanted her hair up. Saturday, nightmare. A hundred percent. So I was just like, I'm going to do it. Give it to me. And my like teachers at the time, well, my bosses were like, no, you're a first year. You're not, you're not touching here. You sweet. just started last week. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, But then anyway, they were like, right, threw me in the deep end. And yeah, 
happy. And then from then on, they let me do them. So, and that's where it began. They realized that I think that's that a huge takeaway that from people I've been talking with and that if it's that one moment where you say yes, when somebody else would say no, that defines yeah. the, di- that makes the difference of, you know, just saying, oh, I'll cut the bob when, you know, she's not technically qualified to cut short hair. Yeah. And she's like, I'll do it. And then now you get short hair all the time where you agree to do this hair up that you, what's the worst that can happen? Like, yeah, absolutely. You just have to redo it. And somebody else was going to have to do it anyway. <laughs> so. Exactly. So I, yeah, no, and I got really lucky. I ended up in my, like, you know, throughout my apprenticeship, I built up quite a big hair up clientele, um, which was fun because like, you know, as a, as a, um, as an apprentice, like you want to start, you know, getting hands on and having clients. And by having that hair up clientele, I was able to, and I would be booked. So that was, yeah. Even though you were great way to me to start doing that. That's so cool. Yeah. So I think it's quite important to, at the beginning to start doing hair like that. Otherwise you get so far in and you've spent so much time shampooing and doing toners and cleaning, which is important. And you need those foundations and all of this stuff. But once it gets, once it gets stretched for so long, you almost get this fear to touch hair again or, you know, like to, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Whereas when you're thrown in right at the beginning, you're new and you don't know any better of it, that. Exactly. You, and I knew that like in the end, if you were, if you were, if you were, if you were going to stuff something up, which is, it doesn't really happen a lot. I don't think if you're putting your hand up for something, you're like, it's unlikely that you're really going to fall. Yeah. But you know, in the back of your mind, you know, that there's people there within the salon to help you anyway, if you do. So yeah, that's about that in the back of my team. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. So then built up a bit of a, um, hair up clientele throughout my apprenticeship. And then I got offered to do like a few big things, like doing a couple of Rock Ebony's ambassadors for Brownlow and like spring racing carnival. Like I got to do all of them. So, and I still love it to this day. Like those events are the events that I love doing. How cool is that? So how, how did you get chosen for that? Is it just cause like, obviously you're amazing. So you got chosen because you were the best at doing hair up or those people had seen your Instagram or seen your work and then they're asking for you or did you just say, I want to do it? Like, how did that kind of happen that it ended up being you that was doing it? Um, I think my, um, I think at the time my managers were, um, had seen my work and were obviously really happy and confident with it. And so they would then, yeah, pass on the ambassadors to me, just like for even just like smaller things, like on a Saturday or whatever. Um, I built up a bit of a rapport with them and um, yeah, it was like from then they were happy to have me. So that was kind of really nice. And I guess from a business perspective too, it took the load off like, you know, our cutters and our colorists at the time because oh. I was available to do all that work. So Because you didn't have a column at the time. You were still an apprentice. I was still an apprentice. So, so I just I was like, that. it's great business. Yep. Yeah. So it was good for the business as well. Um, and good for my confidence moving into other areas of hairdressing as well. Yeah. But yeah, still to this day, like it's still my favorite area to do is like that styling for like events and yeah, I love yeah. it. And so you were saying you've done Brownlow as well. So you get to go, do they come to the salon and do that? Or do you go to them? Mm -hmm. Like, how does it kind of work? And times a day, I know you do early mornings, like walk. Yeah. Well, well, spring carnival's early. So spring carnival, um, it changes year to year, but most of the time, like the girls are coming into the salon kind of like 6am. Um, and are you usually, a especially person? like on Melbourne Cup, like it's, um, uh, yeah, I am. So that's fine. And that came with, um, from working at the stables. So that was fine. Um, but yeah, Brownlow, you actually go to Crown. So yeah, you'd have like a, a like I have like, uh, two girls, um, that are ambassadors with rock who usually go to the Brownlow and, um, I'd kind of just do one straight after the other at Crown. So, and it's, it's such a buzz there when you're doing hair, like especially like some of the girls are in like a room amongst all these other um, wags. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really fun just watching what all the girls are wearing and so many different makeup artists and stuff. It's, it's a great way to meet people as well. Yeah. And 
That's yeah, what I love really about those them. things is the networking and the buzz. Like there's nothing like being at a shoot or at a hair comp or at yeah, something and this, everybody who's there is hair, makeup, something, you know, that is such a production. Yeah. Like, and it's like, so cool. Stylists, there's photographers, there's, it's such a production, but I, I love the buzz. Like that. It's like so much adrenaline on that day. And then I get home and I'm like, so tired. Don't talk to me. <laughs> And do you um, go by yourself it's, no, it's a to lot that? of fun. It's great work. Like, like do you go to yeah, Crown on yeah. your own or you have a team or you go, like, what's, what happens with that? No, um, I thought um, the first year I did it, I went by myself. And, again, I was so nervous, even though I'd worked with these girls, like, yeah. so many times before. It's such a, a – it's a day that, like, really um, – I guess there's a bit of a build up to it because, you know, they're going to be on TV and they're yeah. going to be seen. And um, it's obviously for the girls, like they're so critiqued on just what mm-hmm. they look like for that one runway. Yeah. So yeah, um, I definitely was like a little bit nervous, went by myself, um, was fine in the end. Um, and then the following year I actually, yeah, took um, an assistant just to, yeah. Yeah. See that because I think also like it's nice to bring someone along who hasn't seen that before yeah totally um they get excited by it too so for them yeah yeah you're exposing yeah. them to this world and showing them the potential that you don't know that certain elements of the industry exist until you see it so it's nice to be able to yeah pass and i had no idea that i was going to be able to get to do that kind of stuff yeah that's so like awesome. I thought it was just going to be cutting and coloring and that's it. Yeah. So it opened up another door for me, which was good. Yeah. I find that so, so interesting. Um, and then you've also done some speaking, like at some events, like I've seen you at open mic and things like that. Like how did you get into doing those types of things? Um, I was lucky enough in, I can't even remember what year it was now. Um, but I won uh apprentice of the year for hey oh, ahfa how could I yes so that was um that was probably one of my biggest highlights in um my apprenticeship but that um definitely i didn't realize that it got me involved in more speaking opportunities so like i did an open mic night um with quite a few speakers and um, that was really fun. I was like, I was, it was me and one other apprentice with these, like obviously really well-known, um, yeah. Victorian hairdressers. So that was really fun. It was really great. I thought I would like freeze on stage and I realized I actually don't mind talking in front of people. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a family grade or something, but <laughs> I always get like nervous and then I'm feeling like I'm fine. So yeah, you yeah, know, that was great. Open mic night was really, really good. And you are saying you got those opportunities because you won and it put your name out there. People saw your collection and then they were asking you to speak about that. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I think, um, I guess my collection had a few elements in it that was maybe like different at the time. Like it had a lot of styling elements in it. And I think maybe that made it. um, It's an incredible collection. Well, I think, I think it was like, um, it was a talking point. I think mm-hmm. people were, were able to recognize that, that there was, I was able to talk about why I did that rather than. And that you actually did it, you know, like sometimes <laughs> like things like that, there's a lot of hands on deck and yeah. you, yeah. you know, can fully back yourself in that element, which I think is really important that it's amazing, you know, to have people helping you in this and that, but you actually need to be able to execute that look yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, like behind a collection though, it it takes an army and it's not like even like obviously just like photographers, models, like everything. Um, But again, like those shoot days, just like that's so much work. And obviously most hairdressers would know that, but it's so rewarding, even if you don't enter it into something or if you don't do you do a lot of prep like I think when I look at say I'm looking at your collection and I'm like oh my god amazing I would never think of this water dripping glue situation or whatever like I don't have those thoughts in my head that I'm like oh look at Charlotte oh yeah she would look great with fire coming out the back of her head like how the hell do you think of this stuff I don't know okay well for me most of my collections start with 
something that I've seen or it could have, it could have been like nature or it could be like um, just a texture or something. Like it's not, it's not anything in particular, but it starts from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I kind of do research on, like I'll try and separate in, into six different things. So, um, or, or, or four or whatever, depending how many images. So for instance, like my first, my first ever collection was um, based on like Moroccan textures, which is so weird, like just fine detail. So I chose like six different, um, six different textures and different. Um, and you going on Pinterest and searching Moroccan fabric and then like saving the photos that you like and then going from there? Like how are you starting that yeah. vision? I mean, or, or I might even like see a texture and then like, do more research upon that like Moroccan kind of a feel. So um, just to see if like it aligns or anything. So yeah, the pathways actually, sometimes I don't even understand my own brain, Um, but um, yeah, that's how it all begins. And then I, once I figured out the kind of textures that I want, then it's about creating that texture. So I try and work out it's yeah. Whether it's like, do I use hair? Do I use something to intertwine it with hair or do I cut it or do I color it? Like, I kind of go down that path first to kind of see if that's the way to get the texture to come across the best way. Um, So yeah, that's kind of my thought process amongst most of my photo shoots. And then once I realize what I want to use or what I want to do, then I start trialing. Um, But yeah, like in my house is like one big craft box. It's got like so much. You seriously are. I remember you came into the back room one day when we were working in Turak and you had all these like fluff balls. Like what, 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 not like what's Uh, behind me, but it was like, like pussy willows or something. (laughs) I was like, Georgia, what the hell are you doing? One, you're going to give me an allergic reaction. Get all this like fluffy grass out of here. And two, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm just thinking if I put these balls on the head like this. And I was like, what oh my god yeah and you, How do you think of this and you just had this yeah. amazing, and it was incredible and I, as soon as you say it and then do it I'm like oh yeah that's amazing yeah like, amazing when you're walking <laughs> in with sticks from spotlight or from the woods I'm like oh, what are you doing <laughs> honestly or like the, uh, like and Love you it. should say like half the time before shoots like I've got this little shed out of the back of my house and I literally just lay a tarp down and just like go nuts on it. And like, that's where like on one of my collections, I did like a water and I was like, how do I, how do I put it there without like, cause when you're photo photographing, like you can't actually just like put water, like that's not going to work. It won't stay yeah. there. So, so I'm do you like, go like on, I'm just thinking like what I would do. And I'm like, I feel like I would go on Pinterest and search like water hair. And then I'd be like, or like, I like Google how to create what fake water. Like, is that kind of what you do? And then it snowballs in or you actually, I'm like, Oh, if I just did this. No, no. Like for instance, like with water, like I don't, I don't necessarily put like my search in with hair. So I don't go water hair and then hopefully something (laughs) comes up. I do mind it over here. You might just like say Pinterest, like water. And then you kind of just like look at images that um, show like movement of water. So as soon as I see like, um, you know, water like dropping, I know that that's kind of the position of what it needs to look like to make it look like water. So, so once like I knew that, that that's what it needed to do, then I bought resin and and it's all made out of resin so it's actually like a plastic that sets so I was like chucking it on the top like kind of so it looked like drops and like literally the whole floor was like resin and I was just like like to my boyfriend I was like do not walk in there like you're gonna ruin it just leave it Take it the short yeah. end of the stick. Poor Colin's been out in the in the living room, and I'm like, no speaking. You can't use the Wi-Fi. Do not make oh noise. <laughs> you know, like I actually, we'll I need to show process. you. I need to show you a photo, and he will kill me for showing you this. <laughs> but there was this one collection where I made this wig, and I couldn't just buy one because I needed it to look a certain way. So I was like, "Stop it! I'll just make it." So I was making it and had like little gold, like little flickers in it, and and I was like, "Oh," because when you're making it, like I, I didn't have, I had a mannequin head, but it's not the size of like a real head, and I yeah. was like, "I need to make sure it's fit my model," and um. 
And so I used Ben as my model. And he <laughs> I who has the like, most luscious, it. gorgeous hair for anybody who I know he's got the best hair. But I, I remember like these photos, like I was taking photos of him um with it on, and I was like, Oh god, that needs to come off. Like you just look absolutely ridiculous with this on. And did um, you make the wig from scratch, like through pieces, or you buy a wig and then edit it? Like well, no, no. I've been no, in the tech, no. tech brain for a little too long. Because the whole idea with a photo shoot is that you don't want to create more work. Like, and plus it takes like, that's not, that's not your own work if you're editing and duplicating stuff. Like, it, like I know that some people think that um, really edited photos is like modern and like the thing yeah. to do. But to me, it's like a bit of a, Cop not out. a cheap way, but it's like a bit of a, I don't know. I don't think it's authentic. Yeah. You know? I think, I think like when it's you, done on Photoshop more so like, yeah, like that, yeah. Uh, that actually drives me a little bit crazy. I don't like that. Um, I don't like that um, people over edit and yeah. over Photoshop their photos. I don't think it reflects what they could do or what they did do there and then. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it takes away from the people who are building wigs in their backyard on their boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. And like, well, like that's not to say like, you know, obviously everyone give, like if you, everyone give photo shoots a go, if it's not coming out the way you want, then obviously you're going to go towards more editing techniques. But I think yeah. it just, yeah, it just takes away the authenticity of it. And it just, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, I think you get more respect from, especially people within the industry, if you don't do that. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I think just it's yeah, really cool. Like, you explaining see? that the way you come up with it, I think a lot of people think hair as the first thing and you're thinking yeah. texture or what element or what kind of color scheme. And then it plays into that. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of, like for me in particular, like I don't have that initial thought about when I look at someone's hair and I'm like, Oh my God, this, what if I did this? Like that just doesn't come to me, but it's cool to break it down and realize that you have to start from a, a different kind of element and it evolves into it. Yeah. And like, not even just textures. I get a lot of inspo from previous shoots of people. And, um, but I think what, what one thing that was always drilled into my head is um, do something that someone hasn't seen before. Yeah. Or if you have seen it, change it so it's not the same because you never want to do the same work as someone else it's not if it's been seen it's been seen you're not going to win with that yeah Um, which I think is hard and what can put people off doing it because even I don't know my brain's in this project right now for me right but I was like I need to look up and see if anybody else has done this before this subject. And it's like, no matter what, somebody's always going to have done something. I'm not reinventing podcasting and you're not reinventing hair, but it's about making it your own and authentic and what you genuinely like. Like if you like what you're creating. Yeah, exactly right. I couldn't agree more. I think it's quite hard to come up with something totally unique and I mean you do do that but I think for a lot of people that is quite challenging to be like well how am I going to come up with something that nobody's done before but it's about spinning it in a different way and shooting it in a different light or a different wardrobe or a different color palette or something like that right so I have this photo I have to show you it because it's just so fun (laughs) obviously (laughs) so this is my like craft table so I began making a wig right oh my god and what is that extensions or like, oh yeah, I I was the girl that would be like, do you need this? Okay, great, and just have this bag of like weird hair, <laughs> like from like, clients' heads. Yeah, I've still got it. It's it seriously helps when you're trying to create this stuff because you just don't oh have my God, hair. I love this. You have to buy. send me these photos so I can like link them in too. Show me absolutely. More. And then this is me putting it on Ben, forcing it. <laughs> Oh my god, he'll hate that I showed that's that. That's so but, funny. Yeah, I, was, I was like, that's the only way I'm going to get it, get it right. <laughs> and so what was that? It was like brown hair and then what's the gold things in it? It's ribbon. I just chopped it up. Like cut cut the ribbon to be rough kind of and then stuck it in with the hair. Yeah, like, I just no, kind of interweaved Much more complicated yeah, than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it's all, I wanted it to, because I knew what it, in person it can look a bit weird 
But when it photographs, usually if you use something like gold, it's more like it just a little flicker in the hair. Do you just learn that through experience? Like to me, I'm like, you're just like, yeah, I just have to make this wig and it's going to look like this. Like, how do you know how to even start that process? I think that's from experience of even just assisting on shoots. So I think a lot of people get these big grand ideas and think that it's going to look great on camera. And then they get in front of the camera and they're like, why isn't it, why isn't it doing what I want? Yeah. I think that all comes with experience and I'm still learning to this day. There's still, there's still been some times where I'll get on set and I'll just be like, this isn't right. It's not right. Like it's not, it's not picking up the way I want. It's not picking up. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, that's when obviously the biggest thing I've learned is um, keep doing them over and over and over again. And you get the experience and you get the um, understanding of yeah. how, because it's as much as you can do as a hairdresser, it's about how the camera works and how, yeah, how it photographs. How do you pick who you work with? Like your photographer and your wardrobe and stuff. Like, do you choose those people or because you work for a company, they pick them? How does that kind of happen? Uh, I work for, obviously working for a company, they will usually provide the photographer. Yeah. Um, however, stylists, makeup artists, models, it's all up to you. So you have to organize Um yeah, even, even like if you want assistance there on the day, you have to organize them. Um, yeah, so you organize pretty much everything else. It's pretty like your thing, except for the company um, provide the um, photographer, which is In great. your case, yeah. And how yeah. did you find make, like, did you do the makeup on your shoots? Like, since you do that, or is that something you remove yourself from so you're not overwhelmed with too much and picking a stylist? Like, do you go onto a Facebook group and, like, find someone or... Yeah. Your connections. I, How does that kind of happen? I did my, I did my own makeup a couple of times, um, but for a collection of six, it's way too much work. You like the timing yeah, just know. doesn't work. I can't, I can't do, because usually if you've got six models, you need to make sure that the timing is that they one can be in makeup, one can be in hair. So I can't do both at the same yeah. time. So it just takes for absolute ever. So yeah, always get a makeup artist on board and there's like a couple of girls within the company that do makeup. So that's great because it gives them experience. They get yeah. some work as well. Um, so I usually kind of lead towards that and stylists. I was lucky enough to um, use a couple of stylists and also assistant stylists that I'd met from my previous shoot experience from um yeah. the company that I used to work for which also goes to show that you just say not just you but like the key is to say yes to all these things because 100%. maybe you're just going to pass up pins but you met so and so and that's how you got on this like I got to go on a shoot yeah. with Sharon Blaine recently because I had gone to something out like yeah I did amazing I don't even do hair ups <laughs> what? I was like are you not me? what the hell no. am I gonna do I just go for entertainment factor. <laughs> How do you think I feel coming on this like little podcast thing? I'm like, uh, I make wigs out of like random hair on the floor. Are you sure you but want that's me what on? I, I just feel like I want to ex- like explore every little nook and cranny of this industry. And every the way that everybody has gotten to those points is different, which is so yeah. interesting. But that's a main, main thing that just going and being there like I would go help Charlene sometimes and just bring the sandwiches like that's it and it's just but at that I got to meet so-and-so who was doing the photographer I met the makeup artist and she's like oh you do color I need someone for this and that's all that it is you just go and that's how you meet people even if absolutely even like at the beginning I was like I remember being like didn't really know Charlene that well like, like, I, like I, knew, I knew who she was. She had no idea who I was. But I would like, um, I'd be like, um, I want to come help on your shoot and just like always threw my hand up. And I remember like, uh, she didn't really have like a job for me at one on one of her shoots, but I remember it was, it was going to be amazing. It was like off, um, it was a, a really good colorful one. Do you remember? Oh, anyway. that um, it, it, is in black and white kind of, but the hairs are in colors. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I remember I was like, yeah, I'll come. And she's like, okay, great. You can be on skin. That was my task. Was to make sure the models were like moisturized. I was like, amazing. I will, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, perfect. She thought That's of a job for so me. I'm going to be there. Funny. But it's true. Yeah. You just go and you appreciate the person. Like you can now obviously relate to from doing your own shoots. Like the more people that are there, 
I think as being the extra person, you feel like you're a bit in the way maybe or something, but as long as you're just there and if, if you're willing to help when someone needs it, that's, that's the main thing. And that's many hens make light work, right? You need those people 100%. to get and the models like, water or t- just tidy yeah. up as you go. That's the huge thing exactly. too. Is, and, and that's the other thing, up. like, like just like, even if you, if you come up to a, like, if to all like the, you know, apprentices as well, if you come to a shoot, thinking that you've got nothing to do, you're totally wrong. Like there's going to be, I can mm-hmm. give you 10 things to do whilst 100%. I'm doing one person's hair. And that's exactly um, right. You're right. That's how you learn. Like I didn't realize how many pieces are in a photo shoot, like, or mm-hmm. wigs. I'm like, what do you mean? That's not her hair. Like you don't, when you look at an image, you don't realize that that's a wig and that's the same model four times over. Like, what? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's so cool. Absolutely. And I love that in some photo shoots, like, obviously in certain ones like color categories and stuff, you can't use those kinds of things um, to alter like the color and stuff. But for some of the other ones where you're allowed to use like wigs and just like other stuff, like I love that. I think it's great. I think it's really creative. So cool. And are you Mm. up to, I guess you're not really up to any collections or anything now, eh? (laughs) Well, I did. I I did have one ready to go, um, but it got canceled unfortunately. So that was annoying um but that's okay like i'll just save it for next year and hopefully do have more i'm always are you always always thinking about hair kind of things like when you have you we've we had more time off this year than we ever had like were you at home doing hair or were you like oh my god i'm happy to just not be in my shed throwing resin at a tarp and (laughs) or were you have you been doing that a bit of both i think um this year i've been um I've taken on a new role of management. So that yes, has I been, dive into this. yeah, so that's been really good, but um, it's almost like happened at a good time because I've literally just focused my whole energy on um, kind of getting that career experience um, and whilst Whereas if kind you of were hold, being put into that when there's shoot opportunities happening or um, I think I'd be like hard to juggle. You, um, you don't want to say no to those opportunities, but also no you don't way. want to half-ass this new role. So that's a really exactly. great point. I think that is, you know, everything happens a bit for a reason and perfect timing and the yeah. fact that it's allowed you to just focus on that and you haven't had hair to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of been good. Like I've just focused on that this year. That's kind of been my priority. I obviously still am looking and whatever with hair, but um, I've almost taken a bit of a, a the bench with that for a little bit and then and was that year, always something you wanted to do to get into management how did this happen for you um no like I thought about it uh but I just I, I I was actually very surprised that um I received the opportunity so early on in my career I've only been doing hairdressing for six years so to receive that kind of a role I was um pretty chuffed yeah um but yeah no it's great I've got a small little team they're wonderful um and it's been great learning just, I guess, that business side of um, hairdressing rather than, um, you know, my wacky creative side that I and do you already think was that it has made to. you appreciate your managers more and the struggle of being a manager or to you, you're like, oh, like, I would never do it the way that they did it. I'm so happy that I can do it this way. Like, how has that changed your perspective I- maybe from being an employee to a manager. And it, and it is, it is weird. I think um, I was lucky that I stepped into a management role where I didn't know anyone and they didn't Mm. know me. So it wasn't like I was going from like qualified to manager within the the same salon. I think that's tough because you've, you've um, especially because I've, um, I've gone from an apprentice there. Like, you know, some of the older staff have only seen me as that. So yeah, that, I get like that. viewing, viewing you in a more, um, well, I guess you could call it a, a higher role would be yeah. hard for them to kind of, um, be okay with, yeah. which I yeah. get it's, it's yeah. like, you know, I am a lot younger than the rest of the managers. And I know that I've been very privileged to be given this kind of an opportunity so early on. Um, but yeah, so I was lucky that I did it in a, in a different thing. So I didn't have any kind of like, judgment or anything like yeah they just had my face value so that was great um but yeah it's been really good like I have definitely taken like positives um from a lot of like my higher ups at rock 
but then there's also things that you're going to change just that you you think would work i don't like this aspect of this process that is you know stresses me out and change that way so did you have to learn um this is conversations i was having with people who have opened their own business or their own salons i'm like how do you know the book what booking system or you know you you're figuring out people's payroll and things like that like when you're going from being a hairdresser doing hair for photo shoots how do you now take on a management role like do you did they just teach you the systems and are you finding that challenging like doing rostering and stuff like what are your what are you responsible for now being a manager yeah no I think um I'm still learning a lot um still now but um I think um yeah, like, look, things like rostering, like we're lucky that we have an accountant at Rock Ebony, so um, I don't have to do, like, payroll as such, but okay. we still have to make sure, you know, like the timesheets in so that they do get paid and, um, you know, orders. Like I still have to do those and still have to work with budgets. So it, it does give you a bit of an idea exactly how a business runs, which is yeah, what cool. I, I was kind of, I was eager for that kind of information because, yeah. yeah, I was the same as you. Like I want to know you know, cause I never know what my future is going to be like later down the track, you know, and yep. it's got, I, I don't think, I think every single bit of knowledge that you can gain mm-hmm. is only power in like, in, and, and keeps you going and keeps you motivated. So yeah, yeah, that knowledge of like how they run a business. I love yeah. that. And I still, I still really like that, but yeah. Um, yeah. Day-to-day stuff. It's more like, I think the biggest change for me was, um, you know, obviously when you're biased, like when you are just uh, uh, more of a stylist or colorist and not in a management position, you're just thinking about yourself, your clients, your column. Whereas like I'm still doing clients every day. So as a manager, I'm having to now tweak my thinking of, yes, I've got my clients in my column, but I also need to make sure I'm keeping an eye on all their columns as well. Because you are still doing clients. I think that's something that we can appreciate. Like maybe with Teresa, you know, in rock. And it would be like, Teresa would be full. And she'd be like, oh, one sec, come here. And she'd be like, can you go ask Anna to do this and this? And we're like, what are you doing? Like just do your clients. I know. And I am that person now. But you can't. I'm that person. You don't mid foiling i'm like can you just make sure that this client in this week is like called or can you make sure that this order is done as the apprentice or as the person who's being called over you're like what the fuck like let's try to do it later (laughs) but it's in your head and you have to get it out in the moment so i think that that's what i meant by being like does it make you appreciate the flip side of the coin because to us we'd be like oh my god just deal with that later like that's not till june 15th and today september you know whatever but you need the people around you and a team around you and that's how you manage and it would be quite hard to be doing a client and putting all of your brain into that but then also thinking like oh shit i didn't block kate out tomorrow or whatever you know yeah exactly and that's what i'm constantly thinking or I'll, <laughs> like even in the middle of the night i'll be like oh, i didn't do this get up <laughs> like, that's so start funny like that. i've started so- taking notes in the middle of the night which is just ridiculous but my brain because for the podcast everything yeah everything like when i was like I love oh, it i think this color scheme or i think i've never had a little baby like this or like an idea like i've never like come up with something like a curriculum or a photo shoot plan or anything. Like I've just have never had to do that. And I found it really exciting and it gave me, yeah. So, but I literally had like a notepad beside the bed. I still this. And I put the <laughs> light on and be like, oh, write this down. Or this is, this oh, is God, the you bio. Turn the light I thought on. of the bio or the, in, the introduction at 3 a.m., you know? But then I'm like, if I don't write it down then, I'm not going to remember it tomorrow. Or you'll spend three hours in the middle of the night dwelling on it. Yeah. Oh my God. Then you, yeah, you can't sleep because you, you can't can... sleep. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. I, it happens to me all the time. All Good the time. Know, it's not just not just yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's been it's been a really interesting year. Like I never thought that I'd go like a year without doing as little comps as I have been doing now. Um but I've learned a lot with management and I am learning a lot of like I just um, I laughed myself right now because I can't believe I've entered a new role of management during a pandemic. That's the yeah. only thing. Like I'm like I'm trying to learn a new role now. I have to try and learn around this. Like what? Yeah. So that's been really interesting, but Look, uh, everyone's Sometimes been I think it can be 
a good time to have done some sort of change because you haven't had as much going on. Like, I feel like if you would have had your social life still happening, you're racing and all your stuff with your dad, your photo shoots and competitions, changing salon locations and joining a new team, like all of those things still orbiting around you would be quite challenging. Whereas now we've got no social life. We can't go anywhere after eight o'clock. So you're stuck at home (laughs) thinking, you know, like there's so many things that I think if I would have been hung over on a Sunday, I wouldn't have done, you know, (laughs) or just, I think it's been nice having that little bit of easing you into it maybe. Yeah. And it has, it really has. Like I, I think like they would, that was their biggest fear. Like offering me this job is that you do too much. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I can do it. Watch me. Yeah. And then it kind of all slowed down for me. So that kind of worked in my favor. Yeah. Are you missing it though? Like, like the proof. shoots and stuff? Or do you think that that's something you're going to put on hold for a bit and just embrace management and slow down a bit? Or you can't not um, do those things? No, I, like, I, I have liked slowing down for the management thing just so I could learn the ropes. But now that I kind of like know what I'm doing, um, yeah. I miss it. Like I, I need that creative side just for some stimulation. Like it's the yeah. only kind of, And I think it's quite good to have a leader who still does hair, who has experience in those things, because one, you can guide your team better, but two, it inspires them. Like to me, I think, I think it's nice to keep them motivated. Yes. And if I see someone else doing something, then yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously we all like, you go, yeah, you go. I was going to say, we all have a point where, you know, we have kids or husbands or whatever, why, like that takes you away from doing that. But while you can do it and you know, you're, you're not going to have a manager who forever is in this, this world, but for them to have seen you participating in it. And the fact that you also have gone from doing hair to being in management and it's attainable. And if that's something that you want to do, you don't have to be doing just hair all the time like a lot of us I think have other ambitions or curious about different aspects of the industry that aren't doing hair and you feel a bit like oh I don't know if I can voice that like you don't you don't want your boss to think that you don't want to be a hairdresser anymore so you yeah I think there's definitely a bit of a a nervous nervousness that I think people think that um you know, what to say in front of their bosses or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think I was lucky in the sense that my, my bosses, they, they pointed out exactly what I already kind of knew is that I, I do put a lot on my plate and I do it to myself, Yeah. but I, I'm that kind of person that loves keeping busy. So, I mean, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but so far it has. So, yeah. um, but that, um, it's all coming back to that thing. I, just had to give it a go. It seems a bit silly to pass up an opportunity to learn something different. Love that. I think that's the difference of the people who, who make it and who stand on the sidelines, sidelines watching, wishing that they did, you know, you just do it. And if it fails, then you have this skill. You're actually a really good hairdresser. So you, you know, can do that if you want, or, you know, it's not the, it's not the be all end all. And that's something that I've learned from these conversations too, is a lot of people, who have made it now, not failed, but they didn't, their first photo shoot didn't make it in and their first um, application to work for an education team, they didn't get accepted. And, you know, you just have to push through it. And absolutely. absolutely. It's not as easy. Everybody sees you now at your peak being like, oh my God, she does this celebrity hair and she's so good. She's just naturally good. And it's like, no, it's so funny because still like in my mind, I'm like, I've got so much to learn. I like, there's still so many people that I look at and I'm like, you've done so much. And like, I still think like that. I still think like, we all you know, do. I'm only so far. Like you, you, you still want to strive for more. So, and don't um, you want to ask them how, like how, how all the time. I know. That's what I, I want. I feel like I want to be that person that like goes into someone's Instagram messenger and just be like, hello. Uh, that's me. me. That's <laughs> actually me. If anybody has me on Instagram, they're definitely 100% guaranteed that I've sent you a DM because I am a <laughs> DM freak. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's why you're doing this podcast. And that's what I loved about it because it's like, you're going to be interviewing so many people that I'm so interested to know about how they did it and why. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't think that they're the ones that people 
would want to know maybe, you know, like you'd be like, what do you mean? Someone wants to know what I, how I came up, but it's true. And I think it's just nice to show these different avenues and that there's so many ways of getting into it that there's no right or wrong and you just follow what you want to do. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Love it. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. One being able to chat, but I think, yeah, you've got a lot of insight and a lot of different paths in your career that you know led you to where you were and I think that it's really amazing that you're going into this management role I think you're going to be great at it and yeah love it thank you thank you no problem okay I will see you on the flip side thanks for listening to this week's episode of the successful stylist unfoiled don't forget to follow like and subscribe on spotify itunes and youtube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.